0: is this, this Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this planet.
1: <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done.
0: Take a puff. Do you fear? pong Bam. Bam. is a sus individual. Bonjour, 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 bonjour. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
1: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
0: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse madness Pod. Send us an email at mouse Podcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at Patreon.com slash Madness. Kyle, spooky season is finally in the it's rear done. view. It's mirror. goodbye spooky season. Um, until next time. Uh, you'll yeah. be here again before we know it, I'm sure. Um, and now we're entering this kind of awkward early November phase where it's not quite the holidays yet. Um, but it is no-shave November. <laughs> and uh, and I kept the goatee around oh, because baby. we're talking about the goat today. <laughs> we are
1: talking the best Alan Menken song bracket. So Alan Menken, of course, was the... Composer on many, if not all, of the Renaissance films for Disney, famously paired with Howard Ashman and brought Disney back from the dead as, as far as their film animated films go. And so Alan Menken, while he did not necessarily write the lyrics to these songs, and we're going to be talking a lot about the music, not so much the lyrics, uh, he did have some contributions to the songwriting uh, especially later on after Howard Ashman passed away, and especially in that first film, Pocahontas, where they were really trying to figure out what they were wanting to do. So Alan Menken is, is our music man. We're going to be talking about music. I'm going to be talking about a lot of things that I don't really know a ton about. It's going to be a lot of takes, a lot of opinions. I'm excited to dive into it. And here to help us decide this Alan Menken song winner is our friend mandy mandy welcome back to the podcast
2: hi thank you so much i am honored to be a part of this bracket
1: alan menken talk talk to me about him are you a big alan menken fan do you like the the renaissance disney music
2: you know it's funny because when i listen to disney music i'm much more like classic disney but I do love Howard Ashman. And as a result of that, I love Alan Menken mm. because I just love the work that they did together. Um, don't know a ton about his biography, I'll be honest, but I did some research. I feel Ooh. like I'm coming in with a little bit of knowledge. And Ooh. I feel like what was really helpful is back in uh, middle school, I was the classic um, classic music and fine art representative for the academic decathlon. So I was able to like pick up different instruments listening to this. So I was like, that's a timpani. That is this kind of motif. And I feel like wow. I had like an opening back to all all that I studied in uh, in junior high. So uh, excited to be a part of this bracket. <laughs> we,
1: we chose the right guest. I didn't even know what that sentence meant that you said uh, yeah. right before that. that kind I don't of...
0: even know. I didn't even know that was part of the academic <laughs> decathlon. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You had to guess uh, different kind of classical music pieces, different kind of instruments. And then you had to oh, identify man. different fine huh. art. That was my jam.
1: I'm going to sound like an idiot on the show (laughs) trying (laughs) to talk about this stuff with you on it. I'm excited. Uh, this is going to be a really fun bracket. And let's let's hop in here. Uh, spoonful of sugar time. We got to have a little drink as we talk a little Alan Mankin. A little Alan Drankin. Uh, Chris, what are you <laughs> sipping on this time?
0: Well, you know, it, it was one of those weeks uh, over here in <laughs> Walnut Creek. <laughs> it's um, one of those weeks. <laughs> it, it, it always is. But, um, you know, I'm, I've said this on the podcast before. I'm not the type of person who's like, a, I want to drink a lot of alcohol. When, like, I've had a long day or a long week, like, I'm someone who's like, like I need to go in like a sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> um, but uh, I like, I like a nice little, you know, drink some water. Um, but uh, today I'm drinking some tea uh, to kind Ooh. of wind down a little bit. I'm drinking. We, we have a ton of that. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, uh what is it called? Wonderland tea. Yeah. It's called wonderland tea. We got it from Walt Disney world, Disney Springs. Uh, so this is the white rose blend. Uh, I am double bagging it because <laughs> if I don't, this, we're, this tea is going to go bad before we finish it. Cause we're doing a terrible job drinking it, but it's fine. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I pulled the wrong one from the cabinet. I feel like there was like a more like strawberry herb one that we had, but this is white rose. Um, It tastes like I'm eating flowers, Uh, (laughs) but, you know, hopefully relaxing by the time I'm done with my glass. I'm drinking it out of the Frozen on Broadway Uh, teacup coming to San Francisco uh, in November and December. So hopefully we can make it out to that. That would be sick.
1: We got to run it. It We got to get out there.
0: Um, Kyle, what are you drinking?
1: I I also want to call out, Chris, that you may be a little a little tired it's been a long
0: week cuz you got a new addition to the fam over there. Oh we did. We do have a new uh, addition to the to the to the fam. Um yeah, announcing <laughs> announcing the arrival of of Bower socks baby. Um and her name is Boo. Boo. Uh her name is Boo. She is a kitten. Well, she's more of like a normal cat, not exactly <laughs> a kitten, but she's a kitten in my heart. Um and she is all white like a ghost, but she also is very juvenile like Boo from Monsters Inc. So she came home around ha- uh, Halloween, so it's like a triple meeting, you know, boo. Yep. What's up, boo?
1: What's up, boo? What's, What's up, up boo, boo? boo? Congrats on the uh, the cat. Hopefully not Thank too much you. jazz is happening in your house. Landlord come shut hey. that operation down.
0: No guarantees. Uh, you might hear her uh, chime in at some point because <laughs> she is a very talkative little one.
1: I hope so. I hope we hear her. Um, I'm sipping on. I, I did also have a long week and... Uh, we're recording on a Thursday, and I'm taking a mental health day tomorrow, so I'm not going into work. We are hanging out. We are going to sleep in. We're going to go on some walks. We're going to get some brunch. So I'm in ultimate wind-down mode right now, and when I'm in ultimate wind-down mode during the fall, it's been chilly here in Oakland, cool. I have got myself a glass of red wine. Hey. We are going to class it up for our boy hey, Alan Macon sure. here on the podcast today, uh, and the thing about wine and Kyle is that I, it ramp, I ramp up. It, I get drunk so fast off of wine. So I have a feeling that by the last couple of matchups in this first round, uh, we're going to get some blabbering from your boy here. But I'm excited to uh, be sipping on this wine. And Mandy, let's throw it to you. What are you drinking over there?
2: Yeah, so I'm having an Amaretto Sour. Um, but for the sake of this podcast, uh, we're going to call it the Menken Memories. <laughs>
1: Very good.
0: Yeah. Memories <laughs> of Al, you know? Yep.
1: Of course.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, Chris. So, of course, with these brackets, we have to have a demographic. And we sent our interns into the parks during that final week of Oogie Boogie Bash. And and they walked around and they were visiting some of the villains that were out, that were performing for the ticket holders. And they came across a uh, Sid from Toy Story, who is a, a, a bit of a rambunctious fellow. He's a little mean. He's a little mean-spirited. And they've picked up on some themes that as people walked by, uh, he would roast them <laughs> about their uh, their costumes, about the way that they were walking, about who they were. And so we had those interns go ahead and survey people who got absolutely body-bagged by Sid at Oogie Boogie Bash. And uh, some I, sources are telling me that we have somebody on the podcast who may have experienced that themselves. Mandy, (laughs) sounds like you got roasted a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, we had it actually easy in comparison to like the barbs he was throwing other people's way. Um, But Powerhouse Tess and I uh, were dressed up as a pain and panic. And, uh, you know, he was kind of a roasting us for our costumes Uh, when he (laughs) found out what we were he said you know well you're causing me a lot of pain and panic (laughs) so it was it was a it was a nice burn but uh for I think there was someone dressed up as Wanda and she had two different kids with her not Wanda kids just in some other costumes and he was like oh good you remembered the children
1: oh man
2: so like Damn, he went there and yeah, the kids were having a lot of fun throwing barbs back and forth with
0: Sid, so. So, so great. I mean, and, and this was a face character. This was just a a dude who looked <laughs> a lot like a giant child. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was like an adult kid and and that was the actor that played Sid and that's one of those ones where you're like, I mean, I guess they could have done like a plastic uh, Sid head on someone, you know? Sure. Or, Make like a little Miguel puppet, but it's a Sid puppet or something. Like, you know, I'll, I'll never really understand the, the thought process behind uh, what is a interactive face character and what is another yeah. incarnation of a character. But I will
2: say, uh, Ernesto de la Cruz Oogie Boogie was uncanny. It was. Yeah. I think, I think pro- prosthetics. We're not yes, sure.
0: Sure, hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that jawline so is not natural.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Love it. Love it. Um, All right. Yeah. So, uh, so we had those interns ask, uh, we said, Hey, I know you just, I know you're in a coffin right now, um, (laughs) but I'm going to need you to just not go towards the light for one second. I mean, before you leave, just tell me what is the best Alan Menken Disney song? Uh, and, And we got 16 Alan Menken songs here. Uh, but honestly, these 16 are just the tip of the Alan Menken iceberg. I mean, this man's resume is absolutely thick uh, when it comes to to Disney hits. Um, and so there were tons that missed the dance. I mean, it was not hard uh, to come up with with a few. Kyle, what were some that kind of came to you immediately?
1: Yeah, the first one when looking at this round of 16 was... We, we get some, some hunchback on it. And for me, my favorite song in Hunchback outside of Hellfire is Bells of Notre Dame, just the opening song. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I really like how that song sets the film both thematically and lyrically. Uh, you get the darkness of fro in it. You get the kind of hope out of Quasi in it, in the, in the themes of the music itself. And you even get some like grounding and setting with like pan flutes and calliopes as the story is being told. I just think it's such an incredible song that uh hunchback kind of gets thrown by the wayside in general, but this is one that I really enjoy and then number two is the uh the credit song for Hercules: a star is born. Yep. I love that song. Uh, I think it's a great way to wrap up. We've talked a lot about it in the end credit song episode, so I don't really need to dive into it but it is just my favorite, favorite end credit song. And I think it honestly could rank among a lot of these here on this bracket. Uh yeah. does good at storytelling, does good at, at kind of wrapping up the theme of the film and in the style that the film was presented in. I love it a lot. So a Star is Born from Hercules is my second one. Chris, what
0: are a couple for you? Um, One of them for me is something there from Beauty and the Beast. I think Beauty and the Beast, when I think about Mencken, is really, like, his best work. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of, like, all-encompassing of, like, it's high quality, it serves the story well, it's fun to listen to and re-listen to, it's very, like, quote-unquote radio-friendly, whatever. Um, and something there is just a really nice piece. Um, it has a... It ha- starts with a little sleigh bells. Um, <laughs> and it just... It has this nice kind of pacing to it, this nice rhythm to it. Um because the song, in addition to being a song uh, that is nice to listen to, it, it kind of propels the plot forward. It's 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 um kind of narrating this montage sequence. And so I like the kind of rhythm of it, in addition to it just being a, just a good piece of music. And the other one is uh, one that we have talked about a lot. It's Mother Knows Best from Tangled. Uh, it's, it's just, I love the way that the upbeat and, and kind of dancey music juxtaposes against the uh you know gaslighty nature of everything that <laughs> mother Gothel was saying and you know like i think that it kind of feeds into it in a way you know it's like it's yeah. this fun song like you want to dance to like oh this is fun but it's like well she's also like like sid body bagging her you know uh I don't her know what stolen we, child yeah well <laughs> what would you call that a uh, Award? war i guess <laughs> yeah, award. i guess so. um so, yeah, I think those were the two um, that came to mind for me. Uh, Mandy, any any Mencken hits for you that missed the dance?
2: I mean, as an enchanted fangirl who can't wait for Disenchanted to come out, uh, mm. that's how you know. Yeah. Big one for me. It is such an earworm. And just so, you know, I think Mencken draws a lot on musical theater and in his influences. And that is like such a classic Broadway song. So that one missed the dance for me. And then uh I know we got one newsies on there, super excited about e- newsies.
0: Yeah. Hey, um, you could have thrown the whole musies the <laughs> newsies book on there about, and I don't, I don't know, know I was I, don't all that. That.
1: I don't know. But about the, all the that.
2: number one miss the dance from newsies is King of New York. I just
0: Ooh. get so
2: amped whenever I hear that song. Let's and go. it is like quintessential newsies, so
0: Let's go, I like that pick. Uh, well, we've got 16. We've got 16 of the best Alan Menken songs. To make up our bracket that we will debate our way to a winner. Let's get into it, Kyle. All right. Let's go ahead and announce our field of 16. Let's cue the dramatic music, and away we go. It's a song as old as rhyme, coming in at number one, from "Beauty and the Beast," "Beauty and the Beast."
1: Soaring up and down through the sky at the number two seed is A Whole New World from Aladdin.
0: Isn't the number three seed neat? Coming in at number three from The Little Mermaid, Part of Your World.
1: in lantern, lan, Lanterns Fly at the number four seed is I See the Light from Tangled.
0: Will the number five seed go the distance? From Hercules, it's Go the Distance.
1: Becoming one with nature at the number six seed is Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas.
0: Hope y'all are hungry because the number seven seed is Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast.
1: Teaching fish to play instruments at the number eight seed is Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid.
0: Ringing out at number nine from The Hunchback of Notre Dame is Out There. Carpe
1: diem at the number 10 seed, It sees the Day, from Newsies.
0: You ain't never had a seed like number 11, from Aladdin, it's Friend Like Me.
1: Started from the bottom, now he's here at the number 12 seed, it's Zero to Hero, from Hercules.
0: Say bonjour to the number 13 seed from Beauty and the Beast, it's Belle. Kidnapped and Trapped at the number
1: 14 seed, is When Will My Life Begin, from Tangled.
0: Flowing into the number 15 spot from Pocahontas, it's just around the riverbend.
1: And praying for the helpless at the number 16 seed is God Help the Outcasts from Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mandy, these are some powerhouse Mankin hits. Uh, Do you see any matchups that you're excited to dive into off the bat?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a couple on here, and uh, I won't spoil it. I do have a favorite Dream Top 2, but we'll see how this bracket goes. Ooh. Uh, I've been listening to these songs on repeat and preparation. I was listening to the orchestral arrangements, and I'm ooh. ready to discuss. So uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Sure, sure. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Kyle, I'll go ahead and start things off for us uh, All right. with the number one versus number 16 here. It's Beauty and the Beast versus number 16, God Help the Outcasts. Now, Mandy, uh, you mentioned listening to the orchestral versions of a lot of these songs, and I think it's an important distinction to make. Um, I think by the end of the bracket, we are going to be looking at all of these Mencken songs kind of whole, Um, but Alan Mencken is is the music guy, uh, and he had uh, collaborators to write the lyrics on all of these songs. Uh, So when I'm thinking about all of these songs in the first round, probably in the second round as well. I'm going to be thinking about just the music parts. Um, I'm I'm really not going to be breaking down lyrics a whole lot, just because that's not really that's not really what Mencken did. I mean, he yeah. was the music guy, like I said, and so I think that's kind of where we have to start um, our conversation. Uh, and and so this is such an interesting matchup because. Um, I think I've said this before, uh, I, I attended kind of a, a virtual happy hour, a Q&A session with Alan Menken, and yeah. he said that he thought that the Hunchback um, soundtrack was his best, was his finest work.
1: Well, he was pissed that Hunchback, the songs missed any nomination for any of the Oscars, and then also that his score nomination lost. Like He was like, I've got this thing in the back. He thought he thought he did the thing and he did just not in comparison to others I guess.
0: Yeah, and and you listen to the hunchback soundtrack top to bottom. Um and it it I don't know. I I think we talked about this on the best playlist um episode but it's so like Dense and complex and like it's it feels like real music you know there's not a lot <laughs> yeah. of like there's not a lot of real like poppy like radio friendly like oh let's turn this up when we're pre-gaming or something like that it's all pretty heavy yep. uh and and i mean there might not be a heavier song on that uh soundtrack than god help the outcasts yeah uh this is asmeralda's it's I I kind of feels like an I want song. Uh but it's like instead of being kind of like an inspiring I want song, it's a very sad uh I want song.
1: It's like an I want song for all of humanity as opposed to just for her. She's like I I just want I want peace out here. I want people yeah. to be able to live their lives and instead of the I want to be out of the water immediately so I can go find a boy.
0: And and you have to understand if you don't know Alan Menken came from a musical theater background before he got into the disney into the disney stuff and and I think the and hunchback is one of his later works in the Disney catalog, but I think Alan Mencken's musical theater background shines brightest in this one particular piece mm-hmm. um it feels so like story heavy so character heavy uh in a way that it's just like you know, a character pouring out emotion, like in the, in this one moment. And I like, I love that kind of stuff. So, um, you've got, uh, obviously like the beautiful Esmeralda vocals. You've also got some really nice piano, uh, underneath all of it. And, and it all kind of ends up feeling like this lullaby almost, um, that's makes sense because the scene is at night. Um, and she's singing about, like prayer, like it's kind of like a sung prayer almost. And yep. generally when we think of praying, we think of kind of like solitude and, and often like at night by yourself, maybe before you go to bed. Uh, and so that kind of fits in well, uh, you know, the, the lullaby sound fits in well with, with what she's actually saying. My favorite part highlight for me when the ensemble comes in mm-hmm. with a little, I ask for wealth. <laughs> I ask for fame. I ask for glory to shine on my name. Like that like that is what I'm talking about when I'm co- talking about the musical theater part. Like that's just that kind of weird that weirdness that hops in there just doesn't happen really on any of these other Disney soundtracks. <laughs> uh, yeah. and so it really feels like Menken is using his full tool belt.
1: Put his whole Menkusi in there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I I love the way that the song ends because even though it does feel pretty sad, uh, Esmeralda literally ends it on a high note. Uh, When she says, God help the outcast children of God. God help the outcast children of God. (laughs) And it kind of like goes up and and the music kind of rises with it. And it gives the whole thing kind of like a very inspiring end to the piece um, as opposed to kind of like a restful, like, and this is it. And that's how the way things are. And I guess we're all trash and that's all we ever will be. It kind of ends with this, like, you know what? Yes, like we are all on an even playing field in God's eyes, um, and that's like really what this movie's trying to say. So, I like I am a really big, big, big fan of this song. And conveniently for me, it's going up against Beauty and the Beast, which I am on record several times saying that I find this song to be overrated. Uh, I think the animation sequence is very overrated. I think the the situation is is kind of weird, and I don't really like the the fact that they're kind of singing about a person who i don't know was really like not into it for so long and finally they're like maybe coming around to it it's like ah like i just don't know that that's something i want to be rooting for um i will say though that the music in underneath beauty and the beast is very good i mean this is this is the most classical sounding of all of Mencken's disney soundtracks um, and it, it perhaps is is kind of encapsulated best uh, with Beauty and the Beast. You've got all of those instruments shining. Uh, you've got some, some piano. You've got some flute. You've got some strings. Um, you've got just about everything. Um, I think I'm going to stick to my guns here, Kyle. I think sure. I got the upset. I think I got the 16 over the one here. I got God help the outcasts. Um, I know that it's not the most popular of picks. I know it's not one that people are going to be running back on repeat, but I tell you once... Once I get into it, I'm very into it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i going to go with Beauty and the Beast. I think that the orchestral composition is just so gorgeous for the moment that it's it's made for. I understand God help the outcasts and, and how the music really plays into the story that Esmeralda is trying to not only tell, but hope for. And I agree with you that the kind of rise at the end gives the listener some hope outside of just the lyrics like it doesn't end on a literal sour note like it kind of gives you some some hope for a happy ending but like at this moment in beauty and the beast uh this song just just the orchestral composition makes whatever the subject is the moment like there is just so much swelling and so much um swiftness to the way in which the strings are being performed and a lot of elegance for an elegant moment and everything just feels like this is the the culmination of a tumultuous sort of situation or relationship and it's being wrapped up in this very shiny and sparkly kind of bow and so even outside of the lyrics which are just kind of being repeated over and over again uh the song itself and the music itself isn't necessarily being repeated over and over again. You're getting a lot of different themes from a lot of different instruments being added later on into the song, as these songs kind of do. Uh, and you get the you get the amazing kind of key change swell right in the middle of it, and then the tail off as like a little little goodnight kiss at the very end. I just really like this song, uh, orchestrally, uh, musically, probably even better just as an instrumental. Um, but nothing against the late, great Angela Lansbury. I mean, we, we can't go without saying that she's sure. she's, she's the GOAT. But um, this the music is just so beautiful. And it makes you feel like you're being almost like rocked to bed after a, a happy ending story. So I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go Beauty and the Beast, which means, Mandy, you're going to break a tie off the bat here.
2: Wow. This is going to be an exciting bracket, you guys. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I have to say that I think orchest- uh, orchestrally... Is that how you hopefully that's going to say
1: it a million different Uh, ways throughout this entire (laughs) bracket. So don't worry about it. I
2: mean, God help the outcast is a beautiful arrangement. Totally. Chris, to your point, see the Broadway influences in that. Um, But I feel like I got to go with Beauty and the Beast just because it's so classic Mencken. We're going to get into like Mencken's patterns, but he always has this like twinkly little motif that gets stuck in your ear he always like ends on this like sustained note <laughs> yeah, and loves i just it. feel like beauty and the beast was like a- ashman and you know menken being like let's go let's do it let's like you know do what we're best known for and and i think that there's like a some quote he said that he conceived it as a song that could live outside of the movie and i think you know mm-hmm. with how much it's being used in just the parks today um i think i think you know it was it was a a, go- a goat of a song. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Beating and the Beast.
1: And I will say that uh, to, to give it some of that notoriety, and I, I'll talk about awards for the rest of these songs as well, but Beating and the Beast was up against Belle and Be Our Guest in basically every category of songs in the year that they were up for awards. And Beating mm-hmm. and the Beast won Best Original Song at the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards but also won the Grammy uh, for the best original song written specifically for a motion picture um, as well as the uh, instrumental version of it won an award uh, ranked in the top five and top 10 of the hundred greatest songs in film history, which is kind of crazy. So um, yeah, I wanted to mention that because I'm going to talk about awards on the rest of these as well. So Beauty and the Beast moves on. uh, Let's talk about this next matchup, which is number eight under the sea from the little mermaid. versus number nine out there. Uh, Here's my issue. Oh, boy. Here's my issue with Under the Sea. Ooh. It's... So, we have Sebastian. Sebastian is the, the, the crab who is of Caribbean descent. We okay. can only assume. Sure. Uh, when Ariel pokes her head up above water... Uh, she is in, we can assume, some sort of Norwegian, some sort of Nordic area. Uh, uh, it just,
0: I would it just, say. Okay, prove that, me wrong. I I me mean, wrong. I, it, to me, it feels a little bit more like maybe like Mediterranean.
2: It feels like France to me.
0: Okay. Well, okay. So good to know no we're all ma- on the same page. No, no, matter what, it's
1: not the Caribbean. Can I? Am I right about that? I Definitely think so. not the yeah, Caribbean. One hundred percent. So it's just interesting to me that we we get this kind of calypso influenced song in the middle of wherever they are, and of course you can people you can play any sort of music anywhere, uh, but all of the fish are on board to this calypso type beat, right? uh not only does it kind of feel it feels true to sebastian but it also feels very out of place for the rest of the film uh you do get some of the you of course you get the french influence with the uh the chef chef louis but the calypso one is, just feels like a a gag song almost to me and this this comes from also when we had to rewatch the little mermaid for whatever bracket that was and we both kind of came back being like I uh, kind of remember that movie being a little bit better than it actually was. Uh, <laughs> yep. This was a big portion of it, I think. So you have Under the Sea. It's performed by Samuel E. Wright, who also passed away very recently uh, in 2021. Uh, it won an Oscar for the best original song that year. The first one for Disney since Chim Chim Cheree from Mary Poppins, which is Dang. very interesting. Uh, and it won a Grammy for best song written for visual media. And it's a uh, two time platinum here <laughs> in the States. So you you get this Calypso song about how much better it is under the sea and not on land. Uh, Sebastian trying to keep Ariel from pursuing her her dream of being with the people. And it's fun. You get a lot of different kind of instrumentation. Uh, you don't get a ton of deviation from the main sort of musical themes. Uh, you do get some like instrumental highlights when he calls on the different fish to, to toot their horns and, and such. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it basically stays the same. You get the phenomenal xylophone riff yes, of do do do. Like this is also something with Mankin. Like he's entered these musical riffs and even I would say a lot of the lyrics into the world outside of Disney. Like you you can hear that, and anyone anywhere will be like, I know what that song is. Um, tale as old as time can be taken out of context and used in different conversations. Uh, it's they, he just has a way of reaching into pop culture and making things stick. And I think that xylophone riff is one of those. And I like that out of, out of a good, like musical song is something that is an earworm like Mandy had brought up. And that do, 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 is definitely a, uh, an earworm. It's up against Out There, uh, which didn't get a ton of critical discussion at all, as we brought up at the top that Hunchback didn't really get talked about or recognized, uh, sung by Tony Jay and Tom Hulse. And it's, it's just, I like the song a lot because you get, like the Bells of Notre Dame, you get the dark that goes into the light, you get to see a little bit of uh, Frollo and his motives uh both from a musical standpoint which is very very dark and ominous dark ominous uh bells ringing dark ominous strings being played and then you get this big what kind of feels like a generic broadway number if i'm being honest hmm. uh from a musical standpoint you can kind of feel like attach any set of lyrics to out there the out there portion of out there and it feels like i'm i'm sitting at any broadway show and i'm listening to the main person's I want song. I like that Mencken and a lot of these other I want songs has been able to kind of ground the music in the setting of the story. So we'll talk more about that, where you get some underwater type sensations from part of your world. You get a little bit more nature sounding, natural sounding instruments when you talk about Pocahontas, but here just kind of sounds like any generic Broadway song. So this feels like a true 8-9 matchup to me because I'm not in love with either of them, but I do think that the, the composition of out there is much more sophisticated and does a lot better of telling the story for the long run than under the sea. I'm going to go with out there.
0: Um, yeah, I actually agree with the take you have about out there, how it it at times feels generic. I don't want to say the whole thing feels generic, but I will say at times it really does feel like kind of the expected sound you'd hear underneath, um, what Quasimodo is singing about. Um, but kind of, I guess in addition to that, I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, high, high, high notes, like a lot of the... The music is is up here, you know, and and it makes sense because Quasimodo is
1: literally up there
0: up there above (laughs) above everyone else. Uh, You know, that's that's what's happening on screen. So I kind of like that uh, connection. Um, This is a song I I do traditionally tend to like. Um, It is used in a number of places, uh, a number of nighttime shows and stuff. Um the big the big highlight for me I think is is the finale um when the church bells come in um yep. and there's some big drums and cymbals um and it has a, an ending that is just a, a very good kind of grand finale type uh feel um and and it makes us feel really hope hopeful for Quasimodo for the rest of the movie um I'm going I'm going to disagree actually though with what you are saying about how under the sea doesn't feel like it serves the rest of the movie. Um I am kind of seeing it as um Sebastian's basically saying, you know, this is oh we got it all down here, baby. Like oh, I don't know why you're trying to go up there. Down here is sick, dude. Uh and so this tremendous collection of instruments that's that's what that is you know you, you have just about everything uh drops into under the sea at some point you mentioned the xylophone there's some steel drums back there i don't know if they're actually steel drums or just like a synth that kind of sounds like <laughs> it's got a calypso like uh tuning on it but yeah maybe um, you've got some horns you've got some chimes and bells and little flutes uh, it, to me it, the piece does feel really really musically rich um, and it feels different because that's really, I think, what the song's trying to say. It's trying to say that this is the good spot uh, down here. This is this is where you should be. I mean, we have. I know you like collecting things. Well, I have a collection of my own, and it's all of these musical instruments here. <laughs> <Okay>. So, <laughs> so hey, life's the bubbles under the sea, man. Mm-hmm. Um, have we ever have we ever talked about um, Sebastian's rap verse?
1: I don't think we've talked
0: about it. Like I don't know that you call it like a rap verse, but um, oh yeah, it's the kind of just
2: plays like. plays the harp.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and just just do do word for word. Uh Uh-oh. for you, you got you got the first part, Mandy. The newt plays the flute. The wow, see already I'm messing it up because <laughs> Samuel Wright's just got that heat. The newt play the flute. The cart play the harp. The place. The place play the bass. Place P L A I C E. That must be a kind of fish. It I'm is. Saying.
2: I had to teach little kids this for oh. a musical production of Little Mermaid. So oh. this was what we worked on with the little. <laughs> okay, so d- back.
0: so do you know? Do you know the rest of the words after the place play the bass and they sound and, they and sound sharp? And
2: sharp. Um, I know it's the bass play the brass. Yep. The tub play the tub.
0: Yep. Mm. The
2: d- is the fluke of
0: soul. The fluke You're is the all. Duke You're of Soul. <laughs> <laughs> the duke is the fluke of soul yeah he he's kind of a fluke <laughs> uh the ray he can play the lings on the strings the trout rocking out the black fish she sings the smelt and the sprat they know where it's at and oh that oh, blow, that fish blow, fish blow. blow. <laughs> uh, which is my personal favorite lyric uh i just lo- i just love that little section it's it's just very funky and fun sure um I'm actually going to. uh, I'm gonna go the other way, Kyle. I got under the right, under the right, under the sea. Samuel (laughs) writes under the sea, and um and so Mandy's breaking another tie. Two matchups, two tie breaks.
2: Plus, okay, (sighs) um, man, so appreciate under the sea. It's boogie shaker, right? Mm. Boogie shaker gets gets you going. Um, but I know I passed on the hunchback previous round. I'm actually gonna advance hunchback this round. Um. A uh, little spoiler, Out There was in my top 10 of Spotify 2021, so <laughs> gives you a little bit of a hint. There's only a couple Disney songs that make me cry, um, and this is absolutely one of them. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we can talk more about just, like, why I love the song so much in the next round, but I gotta give it to Out There on this one.
0: All right, well, uh, Hunchback moves on and your boy Soxie is 0 for 2. <laughs> let's, let's hope things change here where we've got the number 4 seat I See the Light versus number 13, Bell. I mean, this one for me is brutal. Hmm. Absolutely brutal. I mean, we all know how much I love this song I See the Light. Um, it was the winner of our Best Disney Love Song Bracket. It yep. is another one that has been embraced by Disney. Uh, It's been featured in a number of shows and parades over the years in the parks. It definitely serves as kind of a more modern Disney love song, if you will. Um, And I think for me, just the... And this, I guess, kind of goes for the entire Tangled soundtrack, but... I think it's perhaps best used in I see the light. This, this, I guess, bass line of sorts in the song is this acoustic guitar. Yeah. And that just it, that, that little, that little section just repeats through the whole song. And that's kind of where the music is grounded. Um, and and the use of the acoustic guitar throughout Tangled is really uh, an interesting choice. Uh, guitar is 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 this uh, blue collar instrument, yeah. uh, and just like I guess it doesn't have to be an actual acoustic guitar; it could be a lute or something of the sort. But you go back to medieval times, um, and this was a a stringed instrument that was transportable. Uh, yeah, exactly. You had you had people like minstrels uh, walking around and, and entertaining. Uh, the people in the king's travel party with music on their guitar uh, look no further than our boy Alan A Dale <laughs> uh, yep. when we're talking about uh, traveling minstrels. And so the fact that uh, so much of Tangled is about travel, um, it's about getting in touch with the real world um it's it's a little bit dirty and gritty at times i really like the um guitar association and i like that they include it in this this beautiful love song and that it never really goes away it's always in the background there um but the uh, the song does build it adds a little bit of harp it adds a little bit of piano i think it's i think it's harp not really sh- for sure but um, there's just there's just a, a lot of string, uh, which makes the song also very delicate, uh, very lovely, uh, which complements the uh, the moment that's happening on on the screen. You know, walls are coming down um, for a woman who was stuck in a tower her whole life, and for a boy who, uh, never wanted to settle down. So, yep. Um, just just love this piece. It's it's very special to me, and it's going up against the Bell. And now, if we want to talk about musical theater. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Bells of Notre Dame a little bit earlier, Kyle, because Mencken has a, like a bag of these like intro songs, right? Yeah. That are, they're very dense and they're fun and you know, they have good music, but they reveal so much expository information about the situation about the characters and some of the relationships. So I'm thinking about Bells of Notre Dame. I'm thinking about one jump ahead from Aladdin. I'm thinking about all of the gospel truths from Hercules. Um, and, you know, we've seen this tradition carry on in non Mencken movies, like Encanto, where uh, daddy Lynn writes, uh, welcome to the family Madrigal, which is, which is, you know, in the same tradition. It's let's get out all of the information yep. um, now in a fun way. So everyone knows exactly where we're starting out. I think bell is my favorite of the bunch. Uh, hmm. Personally, uh starts. Oh man, starts out with uh, these first twenty seconds of this song. It's it feels like a place waking up. It starts. There's <laughs> it, just like a little the flute. Town, the town's it, waking up. It's a little <laughs> flute. <laughs> and then there's like a little violin. And then there's even some like church bells. And they're not exactly like Notre Dame Catholic right. church bells, but they're kind of like you know a little town church. Yeah, yeah. town yeah. church bells. Um and it keeps a lot of those kind of light, light instruments until it drops with the bonjour. And then you get that some percussion, boom, boom, Mm -hmm. boom, and some horns. And it's like, all right,
1: town's awake, time to get to work. baby,
0: let's go. Um, but the, uh, you know, the, the violin does kind of keep a rhythm, um, throughout the song and it, it makes the whole piece piece feel like it's in sync. Uh, and that there is a, uh, like premeditated rhythm to it and that the town is kind of like going through, uh, the motions. Uh, if, if like you get what I'm saying, like, yep. uh, like this has all been done before and they're just doing it so again. It's just like another it, day. It, it, has been just re- another it has been day. rehearsed. Exactly. So, and I mean like that's, that's the point. Like bell is trying to get away from this whole thing. You know me, Oh. you know me, you know, you know whose parts I, I'm gonna sing? Of course. Hit us with it. Time. You get I'm gonna there sing you go. I'm it. gonna sing the Gaston parts. Hit us with it. Every single time. Hey, okay, so <laughs> my favorite my favorite lyric in the whole song is a is a Gaston lyric. It, it is Please let me through. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why. Don't know why. No. Like I'm always just waiting for that one part. He mm-hmm. just Delivers that line so perfectly. I don't know why I love it. Oh man, this one's gonna be a, a toss-up uh for me. I think if I'm talking about like best Mencken song, uh it has to be it has to be Bell. Um, love I see the light, but I think the, the, the kind of musical theater elements um in Bell really, really make it attractive to me for this this particular matchup on this particular bracket.
1: Yeah, I I think that a lot of people would agree with you about Belle. I mean, when it came out, when the film came out, as I brought up with Beauty and the Beast, uh, it was up for all of the awards (laughs) that a song like Beauty and the Beast would. uh, And it just lost to the title song. So um, it's a phenomenal opening song. It does exactly what Mencken aims to do, which is what Broadway aims to do, which is get you caught up so that you can understand the story. Uh, And he does it very well musically. He does a great job of kind of slowing down the internal monologue of Belle. So like the busy bustling town gets, we get out of that and into the kind of Belle's thoughts with this very slow sweeping strings uh, so that she can kind of talk about what she's thinking about in that moment, what she wants, what she's trying to get out of life. Uh, It's just really well done. What I really enjoy about I see the light and Chris, you brought this up with the guitar is that like besides this being set in this sort of medieval timeframe, uh, if you think about like Rapunzel being locked up, it's very likely that just given the space that she has or things that she can make, she could probably whip out whip out a guitar. And it could be in the corner of her room. And that's one of her many hobbies that she's trying to learn to do. And so when she begins with when will my life begin, that song's primarily just guitar. And so once you get to the the portion of uh of I see the light, you have this guitar, this very like vulnerable guitar come in. For Rapunzel's part, not a whole lot of anything else. So you get some backtracking of strings, but not. It's not in the forefront. It only comes to the forefront once Flynn starts singing, and that's kind of like the outside world is coming in. The guitar takes a back seat, and then they kind of both complement each other in this big swelling chorus at the end. It's literally these two worlds working in quite quite literal harmony for the song. So, like, I really enjoy. I see the light as. A general love song in the way that it tells story through the music outside of just the lyrics but when it comes to the best minkin song uh, it's hard to to talk about love songs when he is just so well known for setting story and for these opening numbers so i'm gonna agree with you but yeah. i'm gonna advance bell uh mandy did you have bell taking down uh, i see the light here
2: yeah i feel like even without the lyric it's it's tough for me to like talk minkin because i love Howard Ashman's lyrics so much and it yeah. just like bell is just beautiful lyrically I could talk on and on it, it feels like every time you listen to it there's like a new part that you forgot existed and it's exciting um but yeah I agree I think even even if you had stripped away the lyrics and just had that strong melody it does so much to set the scene for the entire movie you have this beautiful quaint little village and then comes in the hustle and bustle that like Bella's trying to get away from. There's a nice break when she's in the bookshop cuz it's like her place of refuge. Yep. Um there's a lot going on musically in that song that I think it's just so beautiful and so perfect for, you know, painting a story and telling 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 the the story. So, I totally agree. I I'm I'm happy that Bella's moving on here.
1: To move on to this next matchups, the battle of the Hurts. We've got mm. Go the distance at the number 5 seed and Zero to Hero at the number 12. Uh both of these songs didn't really receive a ton of Critic acclaim. In fact, the Michael Bolton version of "Go to the Distance" is the one that really took off for this film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I had brought this up uh, last time, but uh, it's it was criticized because Roger Bart's voice, the singing voice for Hercules, uh, people feel like it comes off as a little whiny at times. And uh, hey, while you get,
2: I gotta interject because Roger Bart is my roommate's. Uh, she's related to Roger Bart. What so? I'm I'm a Team Roger Bart girl cuz uh my roommate is uh related to Roger Bart and we would listen to that all the time my freshman year of college. So. Are we getting <laughs>
1: Roger Bart on the pod? We, Wait, is that I, I happening?
2: would love that. I <laughs> would love that. Um but yeah, those people who said that Roger Bart's voice is whiny can shove it cuz hey. Roger Bart's a gift. So Hey,
1: it's it's just one review out of many. So we, we got to pick it up with uh Christian Clemenson, you can Google his name and, and roast him for that take. Um, but Go to the Distance was nominated for best original song at the Oscars and Golden Globes, but it lost out to My Heart Will Go On from Titanic, which uh, is like, well. sorry, <laughs> luck of the draw, I guess. Like you, you just were not a bad class when it comes to music. Um, Go Distance, big regal horn sections. Uh, you have the kind of vulnerable piano for the. The introspection of Herc, even when he starts to dream, the music swells up and then comes. It grounds him back down. He's like, "Oh man, I I want to hear people cheering my name," and then it brings him down. He's like, "Damn, that's gonna take a lot of work. There's gonna, there's a lot of things I have to do. I have to I have to work hard, and, I, and then I will go the distance." And he pumps himself back up, and you get the big horns again. Uh, it, it's a simple song because most of the song. When you listen to it, is filled by just instrumental that is really meant to just backtrack dialogue. So in my mind, and in, in my untrained musical ear, there's not a lot of deviation during that kind of dead period. There's some slight swells when you can tell like a, a piece of dialogue has happened. There's some twinkles that are happening when ideas are being made, but otherwise, it's just these big. Horn sections and Herc getting ready to go on his journey. Um, it's up against zero to hero, dude. There's just it's zero to hero for me, baby. Zero to hero is is the perfect pairing of like what is equivalent to like church gospel of of this time, like the, the gods and in, in talking about the gods and in, in telling the stories of the gods translated into current day. You've got the gospel church where they're going to sing about it. And so we're going to transpose this kind of Greek mythos into uh, American gospel. And he does it perfectly. You have the kind of offbeat rhythm changes with the organ. You have the complete different rhythm changes throughout the song uh, to, to give points to specific parts of the stories. You have the praise him breakdown that is necessary in any church gospel song where they're going to slow that beat down they're going to do a little call and response they're going to pick that tempo back up and bring you back home so that you can talk about him like in that breakdown
0: gladiator Hercules, Hercules
1: and in that part in like American gospel is the part where they'd be like you know Who's the greatest good? And the and the pews would be like, his name is God. Like it's the same, it's the same exact thing. And it's just so smartly done and it's so authentically done. And I think that's why it has stood the test of time. There's a ton of stuff that to this day we look back on and we're like, we know what they were trying to do, but this came off as either appropriating or completely missed the mark. But not this. This landed it. Uh, and I think that it's just creative. It's the storytelling. This is opening. We're getting caught up to what happened through his, his transformation into a god. It's just so good. I'm going Zero to Hero over the go to the distance.
0: I think um so much Alan Menken music sounds the same um, but also he does have some range and I feel like Zero to, to Hero is really kind of on the outer edges of Menken's range. Yeah. Um, And Go the Distance really kind of feels more towards the middle of Mencken's range. And so you kind of ask yourself, well, what are we talking about here? You know, the most generic Mencken song or like the best song. Um, I think you can make a case for either one, but I'm, I'm with you on everything you're saying about Zero to Hero. It's short. It's sweet. Uh, there's really not a single part of it where you go, all right, this song's Dragon. It kind of does do that um, in, in Go the Distance a little bit. So, so I'm with you. Mandy, are are you good with that? A little upset? Yeah.
2: You know, I'm I'm good with it. I feel like th- you can't go wrong with any song from the Hercules soundtrack. Um, it's so good. And uh happy Zero Day Heroes moving on. Uh sad for go the distance, but uh, I think my favorite fun fact that I found out was uh that Mencken personally like recruited Michael Bolton to sing the cover. <laughs> he was like, I will have no one but Michael Bolton sing this song. And uh, it worked out in his favor. I mean, that's a that's a beautiful rendition. So
1: he said, "If I can't win at the Oscars, I'm going to win it on the charts."
0: <laughs> hey, that's the real statue right there. Um. All right, we have three upsets in the first four matchups. What is we're going doing on? This. We're here, doing man? this. All right, we're hopping over to the other side of the bracket where we have number two, A Whole New World, versus number fifteen, Just Around the River Bend. Um, a Whole New World is is one of those songs that I just feel like it's so much love. And I think it's worthy of a lot of that love. It's just not one for me that I go back to very often, um, just because it does feel a little bit played out, um, just because, you know, it's kind of like to the point where it's like the quintessential Disney song, especially for like millennials and 90s kids that, like, you know, like, oh my god, Disney, wow, wow, yeah. a whole new world, it's so good, it's <laughs> exactly how they sound. Um, <laughs> so, like, I guess it's it, it, the song does kind of have a little leaves a little sour taste in my mouth. Um, it's going up against just around the river bend, which. To me, I mean, I appreciate that we've got two Pocahontas songs on here. Just Around the Riverbend feels a little weak. I think there's a lot of Mencken songs that could have kind of subbed in here over just Around the Riverbend. I think it's a it's a a fun piece. Um, I guess sonically, you know, she says th- the water's always changing, always flowing, and that's kind of what the song sounds like. Uh you know, it's like, um, constantly flowing, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just always feels to be kind of moving in a forward direction. And that is kind of, that kind of matches the visuals that are happening on the screen as well. Um, We've got all—it's—it's it's a lot of strings. There's some horn, some some chimes. And, you know, we've we've really determined that Alan Menken is a twinkly guy. He
1: loves uh, some oh, twinkles. He loves them.
0: He, we call him Twinkle Menken.
1: Give him some wind chimes and let him go to town. <laughs>
0: the, the, the king of twinkles. Um, <laughs> he definitely is rocking that and just around the river man, but the song really doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, for, for how I guess overrated, I think a whole new world is, I think it does do a lot musically that you you can read into. Um, just, just to kind of point out one thing in particular for this particular matchup to like illustrate my point. Um, The Jasmine verse. I really, really like the Jasmine verse, Um, especially when she says soaring, tumbling, freewheeling through an endless diamond sky. I mean, the, the vocals there are just like so good, but there's also this kind of moment where like the flute, when she says tumbling, like the flutes make this like tumbly sound. I I don't really know what what musical technique that is, but it's like, uh, it kind of feels like you're falling head over heels, um, in that moment. And, and that's just, that's just a really cool kind of like word painting kind of stuff. Um, so there, there are a few moments like that in a whole new world, um, just around the river bend. I think, uh, I think I'm going to send home.
1: Yeah. I think you can, if you put, aside the overplayedness of a whole new world and really listen to the music there. It's just so smartly done, uh, to really nail the, the actions on screen, but also the lyrics that are being said throughout the song, you feel like you're flying through the sky. Like they just do such a good job. And, and he's just so smart at using these very light feeling instruments to give you that feeling and the tumbling. You're right. Like throughout the entire song, I was like it, you feel like you're falling in love and falling out of the sky at the same time, just from the music. You don't even need to listen to the lyrics just around the river bend. When you were talking about range and with his kind of gospel song, the range for me is in the way that he's able to take his style and plant it into a setting. Mm. And so he was able to plant it into the setting of us praising this God. Right. And so he's, taking that and putting it into this gospel context. But he's also able to take his music and plant it into this natural setting, which is not someplace that he's really been throughout his career when it comes to writing songs or music for Disney. And so just around the river bend, you do get that feeling of kind of rushing down a river. You You feel like you're in nature through the use of a lot of like woodwinds in that song, a lot of sweeping strings that kind of make you feel like you're almost prancing through uh, a field, a meadow. You get that a lot more in Colors of the Wind and we'll talk about it, but I'm going to agree with you. A Whole New World just does it a lot better musically for me than just around the river bend. Any thoughts on that one there, Mandy?
2: Yeah, no, I'm excited for A Whole New World to move on. Um, I think it's well-deserved. Um, I was a huge Pocahontas girl when I was little to the point where when people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, they, I said Pocahontas, not realizing oh. that yeah. that was not going to be an option for me yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> you know we'll we'll talk some more uh, when we get to Call of the wind
1: <laughs> i can't wait for that revelation to to hit the airwaves here in that <laughs> next, in that next discussion uh all right, let's talk about this next matchup. It's number seven, be our guest versus number ten, seize the day. Chris, talk about it. Talk about seize the day. Go now for it. This is, is
0: just, the time. Just, just to do it. See- <laughs> so, okay, so this song, I think when when people think about Seize the Day, like they they think about the part where they go, Seize the Day. But there's so much more to the song than that. Um, the the kind of first half, the like introduction part. I don't know the name of the character, but he's, he's kind of like rallying the boys. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, it's time to go giga Chad mode here, boys. It's <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> uh, it, it does feel kind of like dragged out at first listen, um, but it is a really, really important moment in the show uh, that is captured musically here. Uh, it's the turning point. It's where they all kind of decide, we're going to do this damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it really, it's like, um, it's like a build, you know, like if the song started with like the seize the day part, like, ah, uh, I don't know that it would do the same thing for me emotionally. I mean, this is, it's, it just kind of all leads, um, up to this. Uh, it's also a heavily choreographed number. So there's a few uh, moments that are, are like lengthy instrumental sections, um, that, that are, Accompanied by some like uh, newspaper dancing, uh, yeah. check it out on Disney Plus if you've never seen <laughs> it. It's a it's a great great watch. Um, yeah, the um, the part that kind of ends the intro section uh, is my favorite part of the song. Someday becomes somehow, and a prayer becomes a vow, and the strike starts right, and like the whole the like the the music underneath the lyrics. It's all kind of like building. It's like an EDM song <laughs> where like where you know it's about to drop and yep. your face is about to melt uh-huh. and like and the strike starts right da-. and you're like beat that beat up like, like Vinny and Polly <laughs> on Jersey Shore. Yeah. Right damn now and then that's where they go boom, 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 uh-huh. boom, boom. boom, boom. Oh man, it's so good. It drops so hard and like it's a little it's like a little drumsticks. I don't know if they're like spoons, but um it's just got this little Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get some harmonica comes in. Um and it just it just it's it's straight up uh speaking hey, our second Titanic reference um of the episode, but it feels like that kind of like uh, you know, just real blue collar uh mm-hmm. music for the people kind of thing, uh, which just it just, I just love it. It just goes so hard. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anyways, like I can talk more about it, but, but that's, that's kind of the tip, tip of my seize the day, uh, thoughts.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you that the way in which they use the instruments in that song, make it feel like it is a bunch of kids rallying around this newfound mission to to upset the man, to, to bring down the man and they're grabbing, you know, anything around them to keep a beat and they're, they're ripping paper and they're, they're rallying together. The main instrument to me, it feels like are their voices, right? Like it's yeah. a, the, it's a huge ensemble that is singing these, that final chorus and that, and that final part of the song, uh, the seize the day part is really all that sticks with me. It's an earworm of a little riff and it's and every time we talk about newsies, I go weeks thinking about that chorus of Seize the Day. Um, But I'm going to go with Be Our Guest. Um, I think that Be Our Guest does a really good job of being this almost... And maybe it's to the... Mencken saw the script and he was like, man, I really, I really lucked out on this one. They're quite literally performing a Broadway number. All you got to do is write a, a Broadway number for the people that are performing a Broadway number. Like it feels like Lumiere is just putting on a show with the rest of the dining room for Belle. And so they're going to put on this big storytelling moment for her. Uh, you, you get Lumiere introducing the slow intro and then you get the bouncy BR guest for the rest of the song until you get Lumiere's uh, breakdown bridge verse towards the middle there. Uh, it, it, that bouncy kind of does remind me a little bit of like a busy restaurant or a busy dining room where things are kind of moving and shifting, but they're all also moving in sync with each other. Uh, It's not often that you see waiters bumping into each other and things crashing around. They're moving in sync. They have their areas. And if that be our guest, uh, rhythm really feels like that for some reason. Um, so I think that's that's phenomenal. Uh, as far as like awards and stuff goes, lost to the other two songs, <laughs> lost to Beauty and the Beast and everything that I was up against. Um, I had found that on Wikipedia during my research that Mencken incorporated a theme from Gustav Mahler's Third Symphony. And I was really interested in that. And I was like, okay, let me go listen to it. Untrained ear, could could not catch it. The only thing that I could maybe find from that symphony was a couple of notes that might have been used in Lumiere's bridge. But Mandy, you were nodding your head. I don't know if it's because you also read that or because you know exactly what reference Mencken was using.
2: No, I have no idea. Okay. I was just like, That's really interesting. It was yeah. like a, oh, interesting nod. So unfortunately, I can't help you out there. But Yeah, uh, damn.
1: I was hoping you saved the day there.
2: No, I don't um, think... Yeah, I don't have it in my notes. I, I only have a, what it was used for originally, which was to welcome Maurice instead of Belle. Right,
1: yes, exactly, which would have been a, a weird pivot yeah, if yeah. they had gone that way. Um, and then the big ending, the big can-can-kicking ending. Uh, it just feels like them showing up for that moment. The song matches the them selling, Belle staying. Uh, it just makes sense. I like it a lot. I know that you're you're the seize the day boy, but I'm going to go and be our guest here.
0: Um, I guess the one thing I'll add about seize the day is that it kind of underneath a lot of the seize the day part is this um, kind of like marching marching drum, um, which I think hints at this real military commitment to to the newsies' cause. Totally. Um, and and they kind of become soldiers in the war for justice. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, they, they fall into formation doing the newspaper dance, but, um, yeah, I think the, yeah, obviously the vocals are beautiful in this, in this song. And obviously we're talking about the Broadway, uh, (laughs) Rendition where you have that's actual. That was my
2: question. You were that talking. That was my
0: question. We're talking. I guess we just default to that one. But yeah. um,
2: <laughs> the Broadway one is so much better. The movie Ooh. one is like sad boy, and then the Broadway one's like Jeremy Jordan, like ripping off his shirt, exposing sure. yeah. it. Out. Yeah, yes. that's oh, the right.
0: that's the only one I really think about. So. um yeah, like, of course. Like, of course, the voices are going to stand out um, in, like, an actual Broadway cast kind of setup. Um, I think any other matchup, I I think I, I lean towards my Newsies bias, but hmm. um, in the case of Be Our Guest, um, just, it, it does a lot of what I was talking about with Under the Sea, where it brings in so many instruments um, and just makes this... Dining room settings feel so full mm-hmm. and and full of life mm-hmm. um, that it just whether you're watching the movie or you're just listening to the song, uh, you can't help but just feel joy and comfort and like you're a part of something that's really cool that's happening. Um, so I'm actually going to agree with you and go with Be Our Guest. Wow. Uh, Mandy, I'm sorry. Our only Newsies entry uh, has to go home. Are oh. you okay with it? Or do you <laughs> think you would have gone with uh, Seize the Day?
2: Oh, okay. Well, I'll justify it by thinking that if it's, you know, if it was movie version Seize the Day, I absolutely think Be Our Guest should move on. I think the <laughs> broadly one gives Be Our Guest a little run for its money, sure. but it's all good. Sure. We're going with Be Our Guest. Sure,
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. All right, next matchup, it's number three, Part of Your World versus number 14, When Will My Life Begin? Uh, So, Kyle, you kind of mentioned Little Mermaid and how this was the beginning of the Disney Renaissance, and this was our introduction to Alan Menken. Um, If we did not know any of his prior work, he's just arriving on the Disney scene for the first time. Uh, And I don't know if you remember the order of the track list in The Little Mermaid, but it's basically... Um, the, the sailing song, the sailor song, which is called <laughs> "Anchors Away" or "Fathoms
2: uh, Below." Fathoms Below. That's <laughs> oh, the name. yeah, Um,
0: and then and then it goes into the Daughters of Triton. So, like, yep. neither of these are really songs. Um, and then and then it's part of your world. So, so this song is really important. Uh, in the history of Alan Menken's relationship with disney yeah. uh i was not alive to see the little mermaid in theaters when it first came out but in the theater i mean this this was it this was the hook uh that got us the audience on the line yeah uh, and, and it's kind the, of familiar it comes, with him
1: it comes with the lore of them almost cutting it because it slowed the movie down too much too early and imagine if it if they did like who knows what have would have been of the Renaissance if there would have been one.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is, it does have a really musical theater kind of element to it. Uh, the, the idea of the, I want song that, that we hadn't really seen in a Disney movie since something like sleeping beauty, probably right. um, with once upon a dream. Uh, so, so yeah, not surprising, but, but this is his whole thing, you know, like Mencken's a theatrical guy and this song is theatrical. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of musical complexity to it underneath the lyrics that, that stand out to me. Um, it's mostly just room f- for those lyrics for Ariel to express herself. Like,
1: it's so good how he does that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I do love, um, how the song kind of peaks when it's, when's it my turn? Wouldn't I love, love to explore the shore up above. And then it kind of goes quiet and lets, Ariel finish the song, yes, vocally. Very smart. Um, and it feels like, obviously, like the you feel the weight of that final declaration of "wish I could be part of that world." Um, but it also kind of feels like almost like the the hope is extinguished a little bit, um, because you know how difficult kind of the situation is for her, and and I think that she in that moment kind of isn't quite sure if she'll ever be able to get there. Yep. Uh, so, so I really love the, the ending to the song. Uh, When will my life begin? Oh, again with the guitar though. <laughs> like, And this one, I mean, this is, this is the return of Mencken, you know, like this is, yes. Mencken has been gone for a long time. And obviously we had Randy Newman kind of set the stage for like, you know, Neo, neo disney renaissance uh in 2009 yep uh and so tangled comes out a year later and this is this is the opener this is this the very very strong opener to when will my life begin and i mean i've always like considered this song kind of a, a sleeper disney hit um but i think it's just it's so fun but it feels also so unique you know, um, and and I think part of that is the use of Mandy Moore. Uh, yeah. M- Menken's uh, lead female vocalists have always been Broadway people, very very talented Broadway people. Um, and and I don't, I think I'm sure Mandy Moore's popped into something, but <laughs> I think I think everyone kind of knows her as a as a pop artist. And so pairing her voice with this acoustic guitar. Uh, and hey, you want to talk about beating that beat up? You've got a little, you got a little boom, 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 boom. And when my, will my life begin as well? So it does kind of have a, a poppy, poppy sound to it. Yeah. Um. So it, I mean, it just makes it so fun. Um. And like, I guess the fact that this kind of stands out musically, uh, kind of ties into how Rapunzel stands out as a princess. You know, she's kind of this you know, new generation of princess. Sure. But also, you know, in kind of a league of her own, she, she really is, is that princess that marches to the beat of her own drum. She's really kind of in her own world all the time. Uh, and she's just a a very unique flower of a, of a princess as is her princess song. Uh, when will my life begin? I think the, the highlight for me is definitely uh, the final portion of the song. It kind of plays like a bridge, but never re- it never really goes back to the the meat and potatoes part of the song. Uh, where <laughs> until it,
1: like a few scenes later, she yeah. like wraps it up.
0: Right, right. Uh, so it, it 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 drops to just an acoustic guitar. It slows down a lot, and t- tomorrow night the stars will appear just like they do on my birthday each. Yeah, Nailed Um it. Yeah, I mean, like it just really makes that moment land um, again so powerful. Whoo! I'm gonna go with Tangled. I'm gonna go with When Will My Life Begin. Uh, I think I think I'm just a little bit more inspired by uh, by this piece particularly.
1: I think that uh, When Will My Life Begin shows Mankin understanding setting really well, and that this song about this person or the song that this person is singing and and she's never really experienced the world, she may only know music through what is around her, which could be a guitar like up there. And I had brought that up when we were talking about I See the Light. And so like, it just feels really authentic to Rapunzel and, and not this big orchestral moment. Um, but I'm going to go with Part of Your World because I think that Part of Your World musically does a really great job of giving dreams and then grounding reality and then allowing ariel's dreams to become her reality or at least her realize that her dreams can become it's that swell to the drop off of that chorus where she's really having to ponder about it letting ariel kind of come to the forefront so we can we can hear ariel we can we can be ariel and the music Complimenting that is super important for that moment. Uh, and then with the the great build of the rest of the song where she's realizing she can achieve these dreams and if she just really wants it, she can go and get it. Uh also just the use of the instruments within part of your world. There's a lot of a lot of what I feel like are bubbles. Just even the main hey, theme of the do
0: do 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 Come on, man.
1: Come on. The Mink and Twinkle. I'm going with part of your world, which means that Mandy's breaking a tie.
2: Oh, this is such a tough bracket, you guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I do love that 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 twinkle. And it just is so, it sets the, you know, Mencken does it great. He he sets, you feel like you're underwater with that little, little melody. I love it. So be the part of your world. I do love Tangled a lot. I'm sad to to be the one to send it home. Um, But one of my favorite facts about Tangled is that Mencken said he was particularly inspired by 1960s folk rock, especially Joni Mitchell. And I think you can absolutely tell, like throughout all of Tangled, like it does sound like it could be a a Joni Mitchell, like B-track she never used or something like that. Um, And then another fun fact about When Will My Life Begin is uh, if you ever have uh, girls who ever want to sing this song in a karaoke, advise them not to, because that (laughs) ending is so... Freaking tough when the music just drops out. Yep, it's tough when it's quiet. <laughs> Let me go. And everyone's like, "Do we clap? Is it done? <laughs> like, it's the one time Mankin didn't do the sustained note. He right. usually always like, does the do 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 It's the one time <laughs> he was like, just go for it, Mandy. And now you know, middle school girls everywhere are f-ing it up because they can't <laughs> they can't find, figure out the timing So.
1: that's a great tip don't sing when will my life begin at your nearest karaoke night because you will get stranded on stage hey challenge accepted (laughs) (laughs) cannot wait cannot wait all right let's talk about this final matchup colors of the wind at the number six seed versus the number 11 friend like me from aladdin uh obviously aladdin not our favorite movie in the world pocahontas didn't necessarily i didn't Really grow up on it. No. It's not a movie that I really think about. It's not a movie that I revisit. It's not a soundtrack that I often listen to. So, really, in this bracket, listening to the Pocahontas songs again was like having to restudy them because I just don't, they don't come across my playlists very often. But Colors of the Wind is one of those uh, songs that. Minkin really nails the setting for me. Uh, there's different cor- or different verses within this where they are in different parts of this natural setting, and it really feels like it. From the first verse, where she's really talking about nature and its whole and and the, the wind and you have these kind of twirling swells of strings that feel like the wind is wisping around you to the next verse where they're sprinting through like a meadow and the the music feels like you are running (laughs) like i don't know what it is about the tempo of the strings and how it's being played but it feels like i'm prancing right next to
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i'm taking off i'm out here i got bunnies on and i'm taking off through this meadow it's just really well done um But like Colors of the Wind, it just isn't a song that ever enters my mind when I'm thinking about music, especially when I'm thinking about Mencken music, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, This is the first movie without Ashman. And that could be a reason why. Like this is him trying to just get back and back into the swing of things after his bestie passes away. But uh, it it just doesn't enter my Mencken mind frame. Uh, But Friend Like Me does. Friend like me feels like a, a BR guest where it is really setting the stage for the chaos that is the genie. Like the rest of the time, you're going to have a, a pretty chaotic genie until Aladdin kind of guesses him, right? Uh, you get the playfulness that is going to come through throughout the entire film. Uh, interestingly enough, when I was researching it, uh, he was going to go for this kind of big, like Benny Goodman big band swing type of song. And then Robin Williams steps into the booth and he's like, nah, I got I to gotta tear this all up. I got to change my direction. And so he get you get the kind of Benny Goodman, like big band stuff with the horn section with the whole like melody, the wah, 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 like very much that. But then you get a lot of magic in the rest of it. You can tell that even when, uh, if you took out the genie saying, can your friend do this? Uh you can tell that the genie is probably doing some sort of magical move because what do you get a lot of twirls a lot of twinkles it is the menkin <laughs> the menkin recipe for a Menken song i'm going to go friend like me over colors of the wind
0: um friend yeah yeah no i i love the those elements you're talking about in friend like me i think ultimately when i think about this song it's just uh it's just a, a robin williams song you know sure. like i i i think that all of that other stuff is in support of of just a great performer. And, know, I mean, all of these songs at the end of the day are more than one person. You know, there are many people that kind of combine into a a piece that, that we know and love. Um, I think for me, the, the Mencken influence is, is like the bottom of, of the list for me. Uh, it doesn't make it bad. It's just, I think I think about other things first. Um, so yeah, I mean, Bob Williams, you know, great job. Great job, buddy. <laughs> Um, colors of the wind. Hey, my favorite part is when the wolf actually howls, howls. To the blue corn moon. <laughs> um, there's a lot, there's a lot of really fun stuff in there, uh, along with like an intro section that has some very unique instruments. It's like a natural flute. Um, mm-hmm. there's some hand drums in there, uh, and even some like maracas or, or something like that. um, it, it it feels very playful to me and and i like i like a lot of the um i guess kind of word painting elements that you were talking about Kyle where it feels like i'm running mm-hmm. um hey we have to end this bracket on another tie break <laughs> i'm <laughs> going well. with colors of the wind so mandy bring us home
2: Geez, well, you can see me rocking my Miko ears right now, <laughs> and I just revealed that I was such a Pocahontas fangirl. I just married a dude that looks like John Smith. So Daddy that he does. I gotta go with Colors of the Wind. We can get more into why musically, um, but gotta do it. I'm so sorry friend like me, but kind of agree with what you were saying, Chris. It feels like a Robert Williams song to me. Robin Williams? Robert. I can't believe I said Big Robert. Bob. The hey, Bob Billy.
0: Bob Billy? <laughs> Bob
1: Bill. Bob Bill
2: um yeah it feels more like that that he, he just did such a great job performing that song will smith did it in the live action but it didn't feel as like oh uh, i mean um james you can you say that Hart.
1: about the entire live action it
0: didn't yeah feel like james little heart on
2: broadway does it really well too i will say that yeah. um but yeah i gotta give it to colors of the wind
1: all right that completes it. We've, we found our Elite Eighth, and we're going to dive right into it next episode. Looks like this. The number one, Beauty and the Beast, versus the number nine, Out There. Down the brackets, the number 13, Belle, versus the number 12, Zero to Hero. Across the brackets, the number two, A Whole New World, versus the number seven, Be Our Guest. And rounding out the brackets, the number three, Part of Your World, versus number six, Colors of the Wind. Mandy, thank you so much for lending your musical knowledge to this part one of this bracket. Uh, we look forward to having you back next time and learning a little bit more about this love for Pocahontas.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I'm having fun learning more about Mencken and <laughs> discussing these absolute bangers. Uh, so always a pleasure to be on Douse Madness.
0: All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have something to say about these very, very hotly contested Menken matchups? <laughs> uh, do you Do you want to um, give your props to the Mencken Twinkle? Do you have a bracket idea? Do you want to hop in and be a co-host? Email us at at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang. Folks, Till next time, all I have to say is one for all and all for one.